live for the ATI podcast episode 40 and no better way to do episode 40 a momentous episode than our Colts conspiracies and killers series this is going to be the fourth edition in that and we're going to do it on Pazuza Algarad and so welcome back everybody to the ATI podcast familiar voices on this for sure we got old Ridge Jackson from waxing on RJ with us now three episodes deep over there on waxing on yeah, and we've got we got a new episode in the works. Uh, we might get to it this weekend, but got Halloween parties and all this stuff going on. So right. we'll not the next weekend. We got some pretty uh, pretty hot picks. Hell yeah, coming up for this new one. I was browsing YouTube and I did see uh, those are some of our most viewed videos of the waxing videos. So yeah. good job, boys. Good job. Yeah. Getting getting a lot of reshares too from bands as well. Yeah. Miradad just uh, liked, uh, had some activity there from them in particular. We've had uh, Relapse Records, City Caterpillar, various people like or retweet what we've been putting out. So mm-hmm. it's been helpful for sure getting the word out. Oh, yeah. Of course, we got Josh here as hey. usual. Hey, Joshua. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey, As you've heard, and myself, yours, yours truly, Mr. Bear Bear. And we're here today to talk about Pazuza Algarad. So Pazuza may be one of the more fascinating people that we've recovered on this series, I think, just because I think he kind of crosses multiple boundaries. Pazuzu is a guy who not only obviously a killer, if mm-hmm. anybody knows anything about him, but yeah. he almost had a cult like following. Right. I would yeah. uh, I would would this is maybe a bad comparison, but would you go along the lines of saying maybe like the Manson family kind of situation going on? Not not a far off comparison yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. There's certainly some similar themes which we'll get into today, but things like orgies and sex parties and multiple partners and that those sorts of themes and sex the idolization. Yeah, but like he wanted to, he tried to talk everybody into having orgies and stuff like that, but nobody ever wanted to. So I don't think he he would have that Manson type. Right. I get what you're saying. Although he did have multiple fiancés, which I'm sure we'll get into that. Right, right. He had some kind of allure over women somehow. (laughs) Pazuzu, he's really an amalgamation of kind of that cult fascination that we have with this series. Certainly the killer's aspect, but also really kind of dabbles in the conspiracy end of things in some respects because there was you're going to see here today in some of the information that we cover and how we talk about Pazuzu because there's he is just riddled with lore definitely most of what took place in a small town and a lot of people embellished things put their own spins on things you know kind of this typical small town chatter where a minnow becomes a bass that becomes a shark that becomes a whale if you will
will as story change stories change hands and so on and so forth so there's a lot there's a lot of lore and hype around him in particular and we'll get into some of that but let's start out this discussion like we normally do let's talk about how we first heard of Pazuzu so I'll start things off I was totally unaware of him completely unaware of him and and what he did and until I stumbled upon his documentary on Vice which we'll talk a little bit more so about today but and then they had some subsequent follow-up reports on him as well but yeah the documentary that they had on Vice with him in particular is how I came to know who he was and was pretty fascinated because you know you look at him he's a character if you just look at Pazuzu he obviously aesthetically at least what he became famous for a very wild look to him you know had dreadlocks poor hygiene tattoos all over him would wear turbans sometimes. Yeah, I, and he started doing that like after 9-11 right. for more shock. Yeah. Yeah, some of the documentaries I was watching, like he tried to morph himself into anything that the populace feared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was more of a counterculture type. Right. He just wanted to be not necessarily respected, but, you know, feared. Recognized. In that, in that, in that way. Yeah. yeah, kind of that dynamic. Uh, what's the first time that you'd heard of Pazuzu, Josh? I want to say maybe the Vice stuff too. Only, um, and then, like I said, me and you were talking before streaming, I think I think I remember hearing something um, about him because of the Exorcist movie, because that's the right. demon that is claimed to possess the little girl in the Exorcist movie is Pazuzu, and I think well, that came up in a that's discussion where the or a video or something, yeah. and then yeah. yeah, it went from there. That's definitely where you got the the first name Pazuzu, and then uh, which we'll get into some of that. The rest of his name too is from demonic and Arabic right. lore. Ridge, how about you? What's what's the first? You heard of Pazuzu. I never knew anything about this crazy dude at all until you told me about him. Yeah. And now you've like went down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole of this (laughs) horrible monster. (laughs) He's a character for sure. No questions asked. We're just going to get into the early bio. Now, I will say there is a lot of conflicting reports out there about Pazuzu, his upbringing, his backstory. There is very little about his early bio, but I was able to scavenge up enough to talk about, help build that character profile talk about some of the psychology how we ended up there that sort of thing that's going to make a little bit more sense i think at least in my opinion so we're just going to get right into it so pazuza al garad was born john alexander lawson on august 12th 1978 in danville illinois was born into the what was most would consider a normal family a mother a father in america and in San Francisco, California is kind of where they had their homestead set up. Uh, his parents were Timothy J. and Cynthia Lawson, and they were actually married in 71, so quite a few years before old uh, John Alexander Lawson, who would later become known as Pazuzu, was born. So not many details are really out there about his early life, but what what is known that his parents separated in 1990, and after that, they relocated to North Carolina. Pazuzu spent most of his life with his mother, at their residence near Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You know, eventually, at some point, John Alexander Lawson does change his name to Pazuzu, so this might get a little confusing. So from here on out, kind of with the Um Shurikio episode, similar to that right. situation, I'm just going to continue to recognize him as Pazuzu. So when Pazuzu was a teenager, he did suffer from two mental illnesses that they definitively knew that he had, which was Clearly. a gore. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Agoraphobia, agoraphobia, as well as schizophrenia, specifically. Uh, His mother did try her best, allegedly, to get him treatment and even consulted a psychiatrist. 
However, she could not afford much. His mental condition deteriorated very quickly, and these two illnesses had a long-lasting impact on Pazuzu as a child. And, you know, like, watching documentaries and listen to her speak, like, even about him growing up and stuff, like, I feel like she herself was probably very mentally ill and was at the mercy of his schizophrenia and his episodes, sure. too. And uh, there's like, like you said, there's not a lot of information about that. You know what I mean? On the web. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, um, if you look into any of the stuff about his family and his mother, she is most certainly mentally, like, mentally ill herself. Yeah. She's at, at the very least, she's an enabler. Right. His mother said in an interview during The Devil You Know. So The Devil You Know is the famous do- Vice documentary on Pazuzu, which is a five part documentary, I believe. It's out there. You can watch it. Easily accessible. Most of it's actually even on YouTube. So her direct quote was, he wasn't by any means an angel, but he wasn't a bad person or boogeyman or whatever people, whatever phrases people have to call him. (laughs) That doesn't sound like an absent parrot (laughs) statement I've I've ever heard. Pazuzu started consuming alcohol as well as many different drugs at the age of 13. Now, it's important to also put into perspective that Pazuzu grew up in... North Carolina, right in the heart and the takeoff of the opioid Mm -hmm. crisis. Yeah, right. And right there in the Bible Belt, as we all know, being in the Bible Belt ourselves, that that those were some of the areas that were hit most impactfully. Low-income housing, Yep. opioids being thrown at people and their problems just to get people out of doctor's offices and doctors also getting kickbacks and incentives and so on and so forth. Maybe one day we'll have a conversation about opioids in particular, but just to kind of paraphrase it lightly and kind of put, you know, what the psychology and the psychiatry was going on at the time during that area, kind of the sociology even of the people in that area. Yeah. You have to understand that everybody is pilled up <laughs> largely and it's low on income housing in that area. Right. And that front is being met with very biblical and evangelical romanticism that's going on in that area as well. So extreme religious fanaticism. Too. Right. It's kind of the perfect storm, which, you know, anybody here in Southeast Missouri, you know, very similar rebellion things going on. Backlash. Pazuzu. In his situation, of course, as we're going to detail in his profile, his personality profile, he was innately just trying to rebel against this. So at 13, he's trying all kinds of different drugs. He's already doing alcohol. He grew up and really became addicted to these things as a teenager, and they became a part of his daily routine. He really started to get violent and began to harm animals around him as well. And that's where things started to, I'll say, the beginning of the spiral in many respects. You right. could draw it back to the drug use and that sort of stuff. You could draw it back to the mental illness. But this is where he started to, quite frankly, start to do things of a criminal nature. Right. Pazuzu legally changed his name in 2002. So we're jumping ahead here a little bit, a few years, to conform with his Satanist beliefs. His surname, Ela Algarad, which means Lord of the Locust in Arabic, and was first inspired his name by the demon from Exorcist. So that's where we get the first name. Right, right, yeah. In Arabic, that translates to English, the Assyrian king of demons. So that's Pazuzu. Yeah, so like if you want a little Jewish Christian, Orthodox Christian background on that. So Pazuzu was the leader of the jinn who were... um, way i think it was king david who had a ring that commanded them to build great monuments and stuff like that so yeah i mean yeah pazuzu comes from arabic backgrounds but he's also you know he's in other religions too so right it's it's all there in kind of the the bed of mesopotamia and all of that it all kind of shares common things a lot of 
stories, things. lore, and things right. overlap, you know, whether it's Christianity. Yeah. Hey, here's some news. We talked about it on previous episodes. A lot of people <laughs> think there's a huge difference between Christianity, Judaism, and Islamic beliefs. And it all stems. And there is a, a breaking point at some right. point, but yeah. the basis of their beliefs are largely all the same. The foundation, right? they, they all kind of start in the same time period, the same location, right. all of that. So, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that, especially in these small areas like this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Pazuzu was heavily tattooed. We kind of mentioned that in the open. He started tattooing satanic imagery on himself. He literally had Satan on his forearm, <laughs> identified himself as Satan on many occasions. Mm-hmm. 666, swastikas on his face, pentagrams, you know, just anything, everything, absurd statements, uh, things of that ilk all over himself. He would even graffiti his own home and property, you know, just to incite people in his neighborhood and upset them he actually filed down his teeth into spikes using a dremel tool while high on meth damn oh yeah yeah to top this off with his new appearance and persona pazuzu split his tongue to make it forked like a serpent and then he would also i believe he he didn't bathe he didn't yeah, believe in bathing he, yeah he wanted to be as filthy as possible right, right. to make i guess he's said it would bring him like supreme power yeah 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 he romanticized filth yeah that was that was his calling card for sure as one could imagine these drastically altered states of his appearance and the nature of the deep south again we mentioned it heavily conservative evangelical that pazuzu and his friends were not very well received or liked in the communities of winston-salem and what's that do that stokes the fire it's important to recognize as well that Pazuzu did have a following. People were drawn to him. Lawlessness of his house, his property, people were attracted to it. A lot of crazy stuff would happen there. We're going to detail some of that a little bit more so. But like he had followers. Kids were into him because of the rampant drug use. People would just go over there to do drugs, you know, wild sex parties, stuff like that. People were attracted to that aspect of things. People were attracted to, hey, if if we're going to get away with having a fight here in town, let's go to Pazuzu's because, you know, everything's game there. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to fuck with us over there. Exactly. <laughs> Pazuzu also became known in his neighborhood and his friends by all the debauchery that routinely took place on his property. In his house, so he ado- he would commonly let everybody know that he adopted the libertine lifestyle. A libertine is someone who lives life unencumbered by morals, although. It can be used in a neutral sense. Often, if someone calls you a libertine, they just disapprove your lack of morality individually. Specific claims about Algarod's alleged behaviors included cutting himself and his buddies doing the same. They would just like sit around and cut on themselves drink the blood of birds they do copious amount of drugs they'd perform rituals and sacrifices of rabbits in particular they would stage nude orgies they would let people just do whatever they want as they pleased in his abode as we kind of alluded to earlier yeah there was one girl that i was watching that they asked and they're like yeah he just pulled out a knife and cut the rabbit's throat and then started digging his hand in the body and rubbing it all over his body because he said the blood gave him the supreme power of satan or something crazy yeah. like that Comes like, can you imagine just sitting in this dude's living room? He whips out a fucking knife and just cuts this rabbit's throat and just starts rubbing it all over himself. Like, what would you do? You'd be like, what the fuck is going on? And you're probably like too screwed up to go anywhere. So you're just like, all right, here I am. Yeah, knife out of your head. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And this is the same motherfucker who doesn't bathe, mind you. So who who knows how long that that shit's on him? Also, another thing that started to happen was started to collect copious amounts of dogs in his house too the dogs would shit and piss everywhere nobody had ever cleaned it up nobody cared 
that that was a very unsettling thing as well. You know, it was said that as soon as you could walk into his house, you could smell urea, horrifically bad and ammonia. Not only were the dogs shitting and pissing everywhere and them not being cleaned up, you were actually allowed to ask his friend to shit and piss in the house. There was many accounts of Pazuzu himself when guests were over just going to a corner and pissing in the corner. God. Yeah, and it would just stay there. Yeah. Like, they yeah. would not clean up the shit at all. And Like, the only way it would get removed is, like, maybe if, like, the dogs ate it or something. Oh, like. Yeah. Shit. His house, he never cleaned, did anything. He has a dishwasher in his house, mind you. But the dishwasher <laughs> is loaded with weapons. Yeah. <laughs> various <laughs> weapons inside the dishwasher. Furthermore, the sink laboratories in the kitchen, they the plumbing wasn't hooked up. They had buckets. There's a pretty famous video out there that was conducted by the Sheriff's Department. And it's a nine and a half uh, minute walkthrough that you can see online. You can see it anywhere. Brutal. Where they detail a lot of what we're talking about here. The condition of the house. How rough this house is. Like, it's literally hell on earth. Yeah. The only accurate part of him calling himself Satan is he literally did create hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question about it. <laughs> Another big thing that it was constantly complained about Pazuzu and the property was he was constantly blasting black metal. Okay, well, yeah. all hours of the day. I'm going to have to level with him on this one and be like, okay, I get it. Yeah, Not, not such a bad guy. That just kind of wiped it all out, huh? Uh, yeah. Here's the kicker. Pazuzu had a room dedicated to sacrificing animals. The sacrifice. And it was, not only was it found whenever they came to the house and ultimately he was apprehended, but it was known and yeah. documented in court documents predating that based on other offenses that they'd come to the house for. Right. That it was recorded that he had an, a, a sacrifice room. Yeah. So the police knew about this for some amount of time that he was torturing animals and did nothing about it. Whenever you're talking about that nine minute video, when they're walking through that, they get to that room and they're like, oh, we got to get some guys with some air packs in here because yeah. they, could, they couldn't <laughs> oh, they couldn't shit. breathe even with masks on. Yeah, oh you, you can't like you can't literally go into properties like that without actually unsettling to detail too much but i actually encountered as a property manager a very similar situation was it like a hoarder you could say that that's a very or just really filthy way it. well not to get too much on the sidebar here but right right yeah i'm interested woman, now though <laughs> okay so the situation was that a couple i won't name names it's because it's an ongoing legal situation right right is a couple lost a home their property in a fire they rented two apartments from me now, mind you, we were trying to help people out in the community. They had a child, which is against policy because it's a senior living estate. Right. And everybody in the community banded together, made donations to them in the apartment community. This is I'm talking about and approved and allowed these people to move in because we were helping out this needy family. Right. Insurance companies paying for everything, put down a deposit, did this, did that. Well, they would eventually pay us back because we started to get horrific smells throughout the building oh and wasn't making any sense we'd been in every empty apartment we were thinking drain traps are drying out because it was almost a sewer type smell right and smells that we had encountered before but not at that intensity so then we started working our way back and then apartments adjacent to theirs started getting drain flies really bad Ooh. then i started getting reports of them bringing animals into the apartment now this woman mind you the whole time she was a younger woman from the caledonia area Tried to act like she was some second coming of Christ in the sense that she was a huge animal advocate and would take in animals risk that were at risk or whatever the case was and 
shelter them and find places for them, da 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 da. Well, that's fine, but newsflash lady, you don't own that property. <laughs> exactly right. right. <laughs> I was getting various reports of animals inside that apartment, so the headcount of animals was starting to get to be more than what was on the lease, too. So things started getting more increasingly, increasingly suspicious. And then I got this weird text from her at some point, and this is kind of the the straw that breaks the camel's back, is that she claimed that she dropped a fish tank in the hallway and the fish water is what was causing the smell down there. She got that straight from Jeffrey Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Dobby thing. Uh, what a bitch. So I was like, you know, something's not quite right here. So I just, I kind of gave a reason. I was like, okay, we're doing inspection. You know, this is an inspection notice for all apartments. We're going to go into apartments. We're going to survey, you know, make sure there's not anything infracting any of our policies, that right. sort of thing. Right. Life safety check. Yeah. Make sure your smoke detectors are working. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Try to make it in the tenant's interest. Well, we go to her apartment and things were picked up in a nature that was passable. However, she wouldn't let anybody go into the bedroom claiming that her husband was in there sleeping and he was a trucker. He was off the road. Da, 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 da. Well, I guess she contained whatever mess into that apart- into that room eventually. We circle back around and things die down for a couple of weeks. And then it's it comes back like threefold, like these smells and everything else. So I have to come up with another thing. So then I contact pest control to start treating these drain flies. And we go into her apartment and... She wasn't answering me. She kept asking me if she could delay the inspection, yada, yada. I knock on the door, announce myself. I said, no, we cannot be, you know, you've had plenty of notice, da, 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 right, da, da. Right, right, yeah. I was like, we're coming in. And she's like, okay. So, and I knocked at the door, didn't answer. So I, I announced myself. I said, we're coming in and, and open the door. She's sitting on a couch. Now, mind you, we provided a furnished apartment. Mm-hmm. All, all utilities included everything. Tons of donated stuff to these folks. I could not walk through that apartment without stepping on something, number one. Uh, there was stuff all over the floor, 950 square foot apartment. Mm-hmm. There was copious amounts, as soon as I came in, of incense burning on the counter. I'd say about 26 of incense. There was <laughs> yeah, fragrance things in every single outlet. There was like potpourri and shit spread throughout the place, just like straight up poured into the carpet. Oh, as well. <laughs> there was a... As soon as I got inside the door, I was taken back by about a four foot long tote that was clear with a lid on it. And it was filled with raw meat. Ooh. Room temperature. Ooh. Inside that tote in and of itself. What the fuck, dude? I look over the counter. I Again, I'm just right inside this door. I look over the counter. I see something that looks like a pile of blood in a tile floor with a curtain draped over it. Oh, God. Your own house. I put my arm out and I said... <laughs> What is this? She didn't answer me. She's sitting on a couch. All the cushions are off the couch. The cushions on the floor. And me just standing there, I counted a dog, a cat. I saw a snake cage. I saw a bird cage. Holy At a distance, shit. I saw a fish tank. So she had already had all these animals in here that I wasn't aware of. Right. And I'm just going to try and excel this story along because there's yeah. a lot of details. I could take up a whole podcast just on this. <laughs> right, right, right. But there was copious amounts of trash, food, animal feces, Animal urine in the carpet, place had never been clean, or looked like it had never been clean. I mean, she cleaned it up enough at some period for to pass one inspection. Yeah. The bedroom was so stockpiled with trash, I couldn't get the bedroom door open. Oh, my But it was God. up to my eyes, and I'm 6'1". <laughs> 
Good night, night, man. Jeez. She just threw everything in that room. I knew that there was a dead animal on the floor that was covered up. I went over there, picked up the tarp, had gloves on. Sure enough, there's a dead dog on the floor. Oh, my God. The dog was decaying already on the floor. Holy shit. Everything that I read about this Pazuzu guy, it takes me right back to that. Oh, I bet. That's exactly. There was shit everywhere. And this, it, did she have children, you said? She had a child, yeah. Damn, man. She had a child. She had what looked to me to be two meth heads sitting next to her on the couch, ladies. Mm. And I said, I have to call the police, animal control, to just even get a start on this. And she's like, I understand. And she stands, and while I'm on the phone with them, she slides open the back glass door and just takes off. <laughs> disappears. <laughs> Never yeah. seen her again, did you? So I get animal control there, and we find, a, we find that. There's a cat that's emaciated that's like... She calls the city inspector out. He's like, I got to condemn this. And I'm like, I understand that. I just need you to tell me what, what, where we need to go from here. That's brutal. They gave me some references, but they're because they're government officials. They can't tell you specifically who to hire to do what. But they kind of like, well, just I'd look up some, something like this. <laughs> oh, I did. But guess yeah. what was happening? Guess what was happening at this time? This was the same time that all that bad snow, freezing temperatures, lines People's busting. fucking pipes freezing up So everything shit. was backed up three to four weeks. Yeah, that's When sucks. I was calling around. I called Environmental Restoration. I called Surf Pro. I called CRS. I called all kinds of companies. Damn. We ended up having to deal with it. So then we start processing all the shit that's in there. So I just bought dumpsters from Lowe's. And me and maintenance guys put on hazmat suits and just shoveled stuff out with snow shovels Jesus into those Christ. dumpsters and took them to the dump directly. Should ask your boss for hazard pay. As we yeah. were pulling them out, we found more dead animals. Oh my ah, God. There was dogs zip tied in cages, puppies. Oh, dude. See, that's just fucked, dude. Somebody should have went to bags. jail for that. When you watch these videos of Pazuzu's house, I'm telling you, it's literally what I experienced in person. Yeah, that's sick. It was just piles of things that was not, you were not able even to determine what it was. There was a bag, a trash bag that I opened up because it felt odd and maggots just poured out of the trash can. It looked like a puppet was inside of it because that animal was decomposed so bad in that bag. Damn. St. Francis County's finest, people. Oh, Absolutely. should I say Washington County's finest? Technically. <laughs> so she was on the lam for a little while. She ended up taking a plea deal, which was very minor, in my opinion, compared to the offenses, because we ended up tabulating. Like, we're clearing out this apartment, dude. I flip over a sofa chair, and there's a snake, a boa constrictor, looking at me. <laughs> But it, I thought it was alive. I freaked out, dude. It was a oh, fat. Yeah. Dude, I would have tripped, yeah. I was freaking out, dude. And I f- jumped back. I ran out. I go, ah! My maintenance guys were gone because they took a load to the dump and I was in there by myself. And I look and the thing was dead. It was petrified. But that that was literally, again, back to this. Back to Pazuzu. That was a real life depiction. So like I read this stuff with Pazuzu and I can put myself in the moment because and and seeing those videos and everything. You're like, this girl's gonna have bodies in the backyard real soon. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I kind of feel like in every like in our lifetime, we've been to like a party or went somewhere because there was nowhere else to go to a really rough house that's like just trash. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been to those. I've been to the one, a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, and then you just get there and you're like screwed up and you're just like, okay, well, right, party on. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a guy in a couple of those documentaries too that I guess 
partake in some of the activities that we'll get to later on. Yeah. He just kind of, he was like, I thought the dude was full of shit. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, yeah. he, you know, he's like, yeah, there's a guy in the basement. If he happens to get out while you're sitting here, I got to run to the liquor store. He's like, I need you to get him and put him back in the basement. And he's like, yeah, sure, dude. No problem. If he runs out, I'll get him. He thought he was full of shit. They really had somebody in the basement. Like he was like straight up. He wasn't like, he was unabashedly doing a lot of things that he was doing. Pazuzu was. Yeah. Back to the animal sacrifice room in particular, like his mother outside of just like law enforcement, we mentioned earlier, knew about it. It was documented in some offenses when they came out to the house and stuff, but his mother allowed him to have this. Like his mother is living in the house the whole time. All of this shit's going on. Cynthia James is in this house. Right. And his mother was very concerned that he might commit suicide. So that's why she gave him a dark room to do his animal sacrifices. And he had to do an animal sacrifice once a month that and he felt like it empowered him and it gave him more dominion and power over people. So she knowingly condoned his behavior. So again, Back to what we were talking about earlier, like she's really an accomplice right. in many respects in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she like relinquished control of the house. You know, she backed herself into that one bedroom, which mind you, it was not the cleanest bedroom in that, you know, but it was hers was, it, by it was far cleaner. The cleanest. Right. It was yeah. the cleanest house or cleanest room in that house. For yeah, sure. It wouldn't be hard <laughs> like, to do. Right. The dirtiness of her apartment was, or her, well, it kind of was like an apartment right. compared to the rest of the house because it was so. It was just like it was outdated and dusty, the issue with that. Like, I'd take that any day of the week. Pazuzu, he became known for manipulating people as well into sex, and he would boast about killing, allegedly killing sex workers to people as well. He said to that he got a drug-like rush from eating, still beating hearts of sacrificing animals as well. It is alleged, I've never saw any reports too, so this gets kind of into the lore, that supposedly Pazuzu was a cannibal. Mm-hmm. Looking at the guy, based on everything else he did, I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. No actual reports that he was. Right. I'm sure he talked like he was. He told people he was. Now, some people define cannibals as anybody that consumes anything from another person. Human yeah. to human, right. Yeah, right. So, by that definition, you know, obviously, if he's, like, sucking on other people's blood. And right. That sort of stuff. Then, by definition, but, yeah, I guess. I don't know about that aspect of it. Again, I can't, you know allegedly people have said that he was also a cannibal. There's no, you know, actual confirmed reports of that. So, I mean, he wasn't doing like the Dahmer thing where he was cutting people's calf muscles off and wrapping it up in a meat bag and having it for lunch. Wait, would you really think that drinking somebody else's blood would make you a cannibal? <laughs> I mean, it could. Yeah. I mean, if you're consuming, yeah, I mean, ugh, that's kind of a gray area. <laughs> I mean, by that, by that thought, you, you slurp on somebody's semen that makes you a cannibal, too, for sure. Oh, oh okay. damn. My wife's definitely a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> not, not your wife, my wife. I mean, my wife, because I'll be dead. <laughs> oh, I'll definitely get hit if she hears this, but it's all good. It was worth it. Mine is loud and proud. So, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of wives, Pazuzu has been known to have several of his female fo- followers be identified as quote unquote fiance. So these were chicks he was banging, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. in his little mini cult that he had running. Right. He, he took more of a, a fond interest in in certain amounts of them and and i think it was three or four of them in particular and uh his ultimate girlfriend and accomplice was one of one of his fiancés yeah which we'll get into here in a little bit as well so these were all known as his fiancés and to to also 
to iterate, he also targeted younger women. A lot of these women were early twenties, early twenties, sure. late teens, high school, right? Yeah. Trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. Can you know what I mean? Probably drawn in by the parties and the the I guess power. If you want to say he has power, but sure, you know what yeah. I mean. And I don't know much about was it Salem, North Carolina. So yeah, there may have met, may not Salem, been yeah. much cigarettes. shit to do there. Like there isn't cigarettes. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I know about. And they actually lived in a suburb of Winston Salem, yeah. Carolina. So that's yeah. even more podunk than that. Right. Another thing, Ridge, you kind of mentioned this earlier as well with, with him, you know, right after 9-11 happened too, mm-hmm. he would wear turbans and profess to be a Muslim and that would really excite people in the community too. So this guy was just all about doing things for shock factor and all of this would eventually culminate and lead into Pazuzu and what he would ultimately be responsible for. And that's at least two murders that he was apprehended for. So let's start kind of a punch list of the charges and how those started. So Pazuzu's mother was actually his first victim in some respects. So in Clemens, which is the suburb that they lived in, his mother was actually approached from behind and encircling around her neck, he used the strong of his arm, Pazuzu did. So essentially he was choking her. His mother. Yeah, his mother, the one right. who's allowed him to do all these things. On May 28th of 2010, Pazuzu was accused of putting his mother, Cynthia Lawson, in a chokehold at their home, which is at 2749 Knob Hill Drive in Clemens, North Carolina. In court documents, law enforcement officers allege that Algarad regularly performs satanic rituals and animal sacrifices. So this is in 2010. They had this on court documents. Right. They knew it. They were aware of, of it. Right. They were definitely aware of him. The, what would you call it? The increase in violence with him. The, the Don't let law enforcement fool you. They knew who this dude was for sure. Yeah, they just didn't That's want to mess right. with him. Right. And in October of 2010, Pazuzu had, uh, who was then 31, was actually charged as an accessory of involuntary manslaughter. Now, the police had actually come to Pazuzu's house and questioned him about a missing persons case, and that's Joseph Emmerich Chandler. And at the time, he was literally misinforming police, throwing them off the trail of what actually took place uh, with him. And so the charge was related to the shooting death of Joseph Emmerich Chandler, whose body was found in September of 2010 on a boat ramp in Donna, I think it's Dohana, or Donaha. Donaha? I missed the uh, pronunciation it of that like part. looks like In Yadkin County. Algarod was accused of misleading investigators and allowing a suspect in the shooting to stay at his home. Psychiatrist who interviewed Algarod said that he had schizophrenia, agoraphobia, and alcoholism, which we knew all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but found him mentally competent to stand trial, so he didn't get the insanity plea. They also reported that he had intentionally filed down his teeth and had poor hygiene and body odor. So, uh, And he admitted that he bathed no more than once a year and had not brushed his teeth in years. Ooh, baby. He felt such actions stripped his body of its natural defenses and warding off infections and illnesses. Now, this sounds a lot alike. This fucking QAnon bullshit going on today and anti-vaxxers and all this horse shit that's all tied in together. Does it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, when we were cavemen, we never used none of that detergent soap on our skin. What are you talking about? Lifespan of 29 years. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, September 22nd of 2011, Pazuzu, Algarod's girlfriend, Amber Bush, was actually accused of slapping and attempting to choke Algarod's mother. So, Birch later was convicted and sentenced to 12 months of probation. 
Just two months after the convention, she was charged with assault and battery, with police alleging that she hit Algarod in the face. So she actually hit him as well. On October 5th of 2014, authorities arrested Algarod and his then 24-year-old girlfriend, Amber Birch. The handcuffs came out after officers reportedly discovered skeletal remains buried in the couple's backyard in Clemens, North Carolina. Deputies with the Forsyth Sheriff's Office said that the remains were those of Timothy Welch, who was 31. No relation. <laughs> and Joshua Wetzler, 32. Now, now, this is weird, boys. There's a Joshua Wetzler and what was the other guy's Tommy name? Welch. Tommy Welch. So Joshua and then Welch. That's my name, boys. It's like this was meant meant to be. God damn, scary mm. shit. Anyway. Only if a Casey was involved. Dude. They'd have the full trifecta. Never know. I'll find a Casey. <laughs> Make it relevant. Casey Anthony, what? <laughs> Two men had been missing. These two men had been missing since 2009. So I don't know that reports ever came out on carbon dating or how long the skeletal remains had been there decomposing. But these guys were missing since 2009. Yeah, I think um, one officer that was interviewed said that when they were digging up one of these guys' bodies, that it was just like a giant meat stack because they had dismembered him and just kind of put him in this one little Mm. tiny three foot wide hole. I think it was Joshua specifically. They actually cut his dick off. Yeah. And they were like even allegedly playing with it and stuff in some reports and right. everything right. yeah what? like they dismembered him entirely good night yeah what's kind of sad whenever you watch that vice documentary that we've mentioned a couple times here is that i think it's joshua's fiance that they do a little bit more of a character profile on him in yeah. this situation he went missing and the police just wrote him off because the guy used to shell sell weed and shrooms right. and got busted for it yeah so he was a nobody then a criminal according to them he was just some other fucking bomb who was leaving his wife and kid behind but that wasn't in his character right and it seemed uncharacteristic of him to that point we'll put it that way right and the fact that he went missing seemed ultra odd to his wife. And he just thought that, you know, he's on the lam and they're looking for him. And she just assumed the whole time that the police had been looking for him because his probation officer called and was like, hey, where's he at? She's like, I have no idea. And turns she out. She was concerned, too. Yeah, she's she like, well, I have she no idea where he's at. I want to know where Turns he's at. out the police were not ever actively looking for him. Right. They just they just did not give a shit. Right. So there's just so much in, so many incompetencies from law enforcement that's went on that's really just frustrating but we find that to be a common thing with a lot of these serial killer stories yeah look at Dahmer like I know I keep talking Gacy. about him look at Gacy right look at Bundy Ted Bundy yeah that's one of the most maddening ones that there ever is because uh, how many times they had apprehended Bundy and gotten reports on Bundy even from his fiancés and everything else and never did anything with him that dude was wild he escaped Absolutely. custody so he does according to reports Algarod allegedly shot Weltzler to death in July of 2009 then Birch helped bury the body. The warrants further claim that Birch finally sh- fatally shot Welch in October of 2009, and Algarod helped dispose of his body. So there's a murder charge on each, and there's an accessory charge on each. So they got the, basically the same charges for both people. Right. An alleged friend of the couple, Crystal Matlock, 28, was charged with accessory after the fact for first-degree murder. The warrants allege that she helped Birch bury Weltzler as well. After taking Algarod and Birch into custody, authorities released a video allegedly shot inside the couple's home. So this is the famous video that we keep talking about. And that, of course, prompted media reports and they dubbed it the House of Horrors. So all you got to do is type in House of Horrors on Google. Now, be careful how you spell horrors, too. Yeah, it's that time of the year. Yeah, definitely. Don't put a W in front of it. Make sure the safe shirt search is on. But I don't know. That might filter this one out, too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and 
it is that time of the year. It's spooky season. So I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, horror houses that are called that as well. But right. this is a, a very infamous North Carolina uh, home that we've detailed here. So there's a nine and a half minute video clip, as we've talked that it, talked about, that depicts the filth encased in there. There's garbage thrown about. It's uninhabitable. You hear the guys, as we mentioned, the city inspectors and, and people from the force saying that repeatedly throughout the video. The words that were written on the door were spray painted with evil will triumph and satanic symbols and graffiti like the one that it's like a whole like well they said it was like 150 words on the wall and it was literally like a whole thing that he wrote in marker about how when you read every second that you read it takes a second of your life away or something like that it was like this whole story he wrote a marker on the wall and it's just him it's rambling on rant, about reading ranting. so he's writing something for somebody to read talking about how terrible reading is absolutely <laughs> He's a loon. <laughs> the, the guy clearly could have stood to do a little bit more reading in his life, of course. Right. right. In 2015, the 2749 Knob Hill Drive home was demolished after being declared unfit for human occupation. So I think that kind of went without saying. Yeah. Yeah. On October 28th of 2015, prison guards reportedly discovered the self-proclaimed Satanist and accused murderer Pazuzu Algarad dead in his cell. Algarad was reportedly found bleeding from a deep wound on his arms. He had been scheduled to appear in court the next day. Pazuzu seemingly committed suicide in jail to escape the conviction of his crimes. He was believed to have used his sharpened teeth to bite into a vein in his arm. Holy Although there was shit. no there was a glass vial inside of his prison cell with cell with red liquid that was found and an electric razor that's only worth commenting on because they were unpermitted items in his cell. Regardless of the tools used, it was clear that Pazuzu had bled to death. He was 36 when he died. Dude, like, okay, the dude's a schizophrenic psychopath, right? Obviously. But the balls it takes to fucking bite yourself bad enough to where you can bleed to death? 100%. That's fucking brutal, Mm -hmm. man. You're talking about self-harm and mutilation. I mean, I guess he had the tools to do it, too, with those filed-ass teeth with that Dremel tool. Yeah, but psychologically, how did your brain allow you to do that to yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, brutal, brutal. Following his death, Pazuzu became the subject of the documentary that made him famous, The Devil You Know, which was aired on Vice. Now, it's important to note, too, and I definitely didn't want to leave the conversation without mentioning this today, that The Devil You Know does take more of an approach in talking to those affected by Pazuzu and his actions, the fallout with family, friends, townspeople being connected to Pazuzu, the law enforcement, people that reported to the scene, people that were on his cases. Many of the victims and their families are covered in detail with a human interest aspect. And, um, you know, and those approaches in the filmmaking, the documentary filmmaking are being employed. So it's important to keep that in context. What, what kills me in that whole documentary, though, is like these people that took part in this sick shit with him, you know, they're like yeah. talking about it like it's so like terrible and blah, 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 blah. I'm like you were fucking part yeah, of it there's a the fucking fuckers. guy that's shooting up heroin in the fucking documentary too yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah. you're gonna talk about this guy like he's some big giant piece of shit when you were fucking doing it with him you uh, absolutely Jesus and then using the oh he threatened to kill me and I was scared of him and his mother used that which yeah. you know anyway bullshit yeah the devil you know has become the subject of much scrutiny though in retrospect a lot of the participants 
have come and spoken out. You can find them on many podcast appearances and things like that nowadays. And some of the claims are that Vice and and the people making the film took artistic liberties in editing and framing certain situations, as well as misrepresenting the times and places and events. But what media outlet fucking doesn't? Yeah, that being said, like, I mean... I know this is going to sound bad, but like to make any documentary interesting, you're you going to yeah, you put a little spice on it. Yeah, right? It can't be flat. Right. It's not like that you're outright sitting there, but there's, there's details of the story. Like I could just say this as a podcast producer, like what you hear on our audio feed is not everything that we talk right, about. Right. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you have to make things more interesting by eliminating some of the, you know, the dead space and things like or that. stuff that's not relevant. Right. Or right. stuff that's not relevant for the sake of the listener. Right. For the sake of the watcher in this case. Right. I think that's more so what happens with a lot of documentaries. Now don't get me wrong, there's agendas with documentaries and and, and you can get into political debates and discussions with that. You know, we yeah. all know and have seen so many political documentaries in particular yeah. and divisive ones at that. You know, let's talk about Michael Moore. He's a huge political yeah. filmmaker. We can talk about the Zeitgeist films, uh, you know, loose chain things like that yeah you know mm-hmm. things that have hit in outfoxed is another one that you can talk about things that have entered the political arena and are very divisive and divisive and people with those opposing viewpoints speak out against them and their agendas because obviously when you're making a movie that's against conservatives you're probably left progressive somewhere in that ballpark right mm-hmm. right it's important to keep in mind that yes there's always agendas behind the stuff however I don't know. I don't. Is there any excuses to make for this guy? What he did? What his followers did? I don't think so. No, no there's none no, at all. There's no excuses. And the guy is clearly a victim of himself of mental illness. Well, I mean, I, nobody does these things. And in the a right system mind. that doesn't know how to handle mental illness and it puts people right. on the back burner so they don't have to deal with people's mental illness. And not that the police need to be made an excuse for, the community needs to be made an excuse for, the doctors that threw pills at people, but it was important for us to lay that groundwork in that context of the area, the things that went on in the area, the fact that this is right in the middle of the opioid epidemic and what police are dealing with on a daily basis is people you know taking 50 percocet a day or whatever the case is or vicodin or right so on and so forth or right. on dance somas or fucking freebasing fentanyl off of foils and shit Shooting like that morphine patches yeah. and bullshit yeah. like that so you know the police are not I, I mean i can tell you from this area personal experience the police are not equipped for these situations and haven't been. And they're just starting to now get some of the facilities and resources and tools like to Narcan actually and yes, stuff Narcan like that yeah. and training to do so. It's one thing to have the tool, but to know how to use it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Even paramedics were so behind the eight ball on a lot of drugs that were hitting the markets in the streets. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that these guys were overwhelmed. But, you know, when you have reports of somebody committing animal sacrifices... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't you yeah. want to go around back and look look and see yeah, yeah. See what's i mean going on? yeah if i was a investigator i would for sure be like we need yeah. to look at this or yeah. even just the, the, the door opening right right whenever the police actually came to question pazuzu about the person that he misled them with where they found the body there at near the boat ram they didn't even check his house they just came to the door talked to him they didn't check his house they didn't ask for entry of his house they didn't ask for well they didn't want to fuck with it because they knew they're gonna find something probably paperwork yeah dude and i'm telling you man i worked with officers in a different situation at the prison you know rich knows too and i know of all kinds of situations where like i just don't want to fuck with that oh i don't want to do the paperwork on that you know i'm just i'm gonna act like that never happened i never Mm -hmm. seen that and just go on about my 
business. So I'm sure it was definitely a similar situation. So Pazuzu was a guy, this situation, I wanted to go with a little bit more of an obscure pick rather than the ones that have been covered to death. Jonestown, obviously a pretty popular thing, our first submission in the series. Then we tackled Amshirikio and then we tackled Gacy. Amshirikio, a little bit more obscure, more of a popular in the time that it took place. Uh, I would say that, you know, obviously Gacy's pretty famous, probably top three or five most identified serial killer. Definitely North American serial killer for sure. But Pazuzu is not a guy that's talked about too much. And there is a lot of speculation that he killed other people and was involved in this with other people, especially the fact that he bragged about killing people. He killed up to like 15, but they only knew about two. Yeah. And even some of the, the killings that he has been accused of and was going to, you know, be tried for or even in some of these follow-up documentaries right or even being questioned like there's actually a movement of who would want to (laughs) use beyond me there's actually a movement of people trying to claim innocence for him as well yeah and then it was just like poor police work that was trying to base they blame him for everything make him the scapegoat well i remember when the church of satan like completely separated themselves from him see that's the thing too that we have to definitely address before we get off this too Mm -hmm. is the fact that he is not a satanist no he's evil yeah. A Satanist, <laughs> a Satanist teachings. If you know anything about Satanism, is not this. Yes, he not is a characterization of what evangelicals think Satanism, Satanism is, is absolutely. about. He's like a movie. He embodied what they think is evil. Yeah. He's just a right. habitual regurgitator of bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's all that he is. He's just a counteractive like. Anything that he does is just in retaliation. Uh, he's just a contrarian, really. Yeah. You know, it was what the community was reflecting, he was just the kind of the mere opposite of that. A guy who didn't really have a father figure in his life for the majority of his life. He had all these mental health issues, was an addict from, could be from all the way back to age 13. You know, that's when he started using. I mean, Jesus, where does it stop with this guy? Yeah. For real. And then to have the cult following, the followers that he had probably aided and abated his God complex that he had as well. Oh, yeah. So the, to me, there's no question that the guy obviously is at least a fascinating, you know, topic of conversation. Probably better off dead. I think it's safe to say that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably is going to save a lot of people a lot more trauma. You know, victims, families, stuff like that. They would have to endure all the trials and the sentencing. And it's it's probably just better off that he's gone. And another thing that we're not addressing is the fact that who knows even really what the long lasting fallout is going to be from this. All the lives that he affected. Right. The trauma that people endured people in his company. Mm-hmm. I mean, just some of the situations that we depicted in light, just kind of bullet point fashion. Just imagine being there, a party go we're seeing some of the things that took place there was kind of like these alleged lorish snuff and sex films too that he would show occasionally to people yeah one girl said it was a young girl i think she was like 19 and him and amber had brought her over to the house and when she had got there she said she immediately felt uncomfortable she didn't want to go inside or anything but then they kind of <laughs> insisted that she come inside and watch the film and she was like okay i'll go inside i'll watch this movie with them and then i'll leave you know well they take her inside and it's a homemade smut film and they're like naked and dancing with knives and doing crazy stuff on this mattress well then all of a sudden he takes out pazuzu takes out this bloody handkerchief and like wraps it around his head and the blood's like pouring off of it and stuff and he's like making love to this girl at the same time come to find out it was one of the two murder victims headbands Josh's. yeah that was uh, identified by his family that he wore brutal. all the time wild wild Woo. stuff so you know some d- despicable sex videos absolutely i'd like to watch them personally i mean <laughs> Yeah, you could probably find them, I'd watch it. You probably find them. Be honest with you. So, guys, this concludes episode forty. I think we guys did this justice. Anything oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I think, like you said, it was really 
tough actually to find a lot of information on this because there a lot of accounts are either small journalists from the area or like Vice. Vice was the big first like major corporation to really mm-hmm. tackle it as a documentary. Yeah. So there's not a there's a lot of personal accounts and uh, private opinion but there's right. not a lot of factual information out there on this, sure. on mm-hmm. this subject so yeah given with what we could find I absolutely think we covered it as best we could so this episode of course concludes our month long themed of Halloween programming we really churned it out this month guys oh, we yeah. we produced six original episodes just this month alone plus the things that we did for waxing on and Nobnard's closet so I think we uh, we did Halloween some justice this year have we talked about Grandel since we I went? guess we haven't. So yeah, well, all three of us, we went to Grandel Wrestling. That'd be a good way to kind of wrap things up too. Yeah. Definitely was a good time. ATI oh, podcast was promoted. You boys know I had so, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I was fucking way drunk. <laughs> the opening match was killer. Dude, uh, that ending match was fucking crazy too, man. Yeah. They had a Texas death match at the end. Yeah. And that so, was brutal. That was brutal for yeah. sure. It was awesome though. So uh, congrats, Joey. That was awesome, man. Thanks yes. for inviting us and thanks for being a guest. Uh, we had a great time. Well, I had a great time. I'm Absolutely. sure these boys oh, yeah. had a great time Absolutely. too. But yeah, uh, Clown Bis was great. Very nice. Very humble guy. All the wrestlers were cool. Yep. I mean, everybody My was cool. My only complaint is it didn't last long enough. It went too quick. I know. It did go quick. Yeah. I know. Especially after that intermission, man, it just flew by. Yeah, time you know? flies when you're having and fun. They and you know what? I was I was thoroughly impressed with Pops with that setup. Like because yeah. even Ridge was talking before oh, it yeah. went. He's like, I'm just trying to imagine a wrestling ring inside of Pops, and they pulled it off, dude. It was Absolutely. nice. It was a good setup. I loved it. Yeah, very good, good setup. Time. We were good fortunate seats. enough to get good balcony seats for the sponsors, and uh, they, of course, us as a sponsor, we sponsored the Dak Draper and the Deliver Moses match. So Dak Draper is seen routinely on NWA TV. It was a part of the ring of honor as well uh actually formerly in wwe developmental recruited by jerry briscoe back in the day and if if you remember vince mcmahon stooges patterson and briscoe that uh, oh okay yeah so he's the he's the one who recruited him in wwe and uh jerry briscoe and his brother go were actually like shoot wrestlers from oklahoma Mm -hmm. very good wrestlers like they could hook the shit out of you in real life (laughs) but uh, they did professional wrestling to you know make some money back in the day and and just were in the business for years jerry still mentors and trains people shit has his own podcast very entertaining guy yeah, but the talent man i was impressed every yeah everybody put on a hell of a show even yeah i mean like clownvis he even got in on a match i yeah. think yeah mm-hmm. which was Clown awesome got a little man. interaction you know the thing that comes with indie shows and we kind of talked a little bit about this with joey too you know there's an, an inherent level of phonyism that just starts to creep in sometimes, but right. this was very professionally done. Oh, yeah. Like, very tastefully done. All the, the refs work was pretty great. sharp. The refs were good. The refs were great. That's another thing I have to commend is the refs were fantastic, and refs don't get enough acknowledgement often in these situations. The refs were just fantastic, and they were there. They were present. They were enforcing the rules. You know, you don't see that in professional wrestling anymore. They're just kind of like an old painting on the wall in many yeah. cases. You know, they were actually acting like referees. Yeah, right, you know? right, yeah. Like they're yelling at the wrestler, trying to get him back in the ring. You know what I mean? Stuff. So, you know, it looked. It yeah. just felt. It, it was good. It was good. They did a good job. We were sitting waiting the whole time to like. Oh, well, I think they're going to announce the podcast out <laughs> and stuff. And, and the first like half of the matches, I guess, didn't have sponsors. Yeah. So we weren't really hearing that. And then all of a sudden, we heard somebody's name. I was like, wait a minute, they aren't announcing them. And I was like, well, our match hasn't happened yet. They started talking about ATI podcast. We're all standing there together in the balcony. And we're like looking at each other, like, hey. That's us. <laughs> yeah, we, like, we missed it. Yeah. We were like too overwhelmed with like we were actually being talked about over a PA in 
at a St. Louis event mm-hmm. and we're just like, Oh shit, we should be recording this. Yeah. <laughs> and I got like the last three seconds yeah, of the ring it. announcer. And that guy did so fucking oh, good. Oh, he was too. fantastic. He's like the ATI podcast on Inc. Oh, he was so good. What's yeah. that guy's name? He does their podcast too. Uh, he does do their podcast. I can't recall his name. It, very he, professional. He was guy. So good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They also had ATI podcast imagery all over the, you know, they had led panels throughout the uh, bar area as well as they had a side stage set up that was prominently displayed where they had like a DJ booth set up but that DJ booth was lit up to look like a mini wrestling ring yeah that was cool yeah, yeah so we put some pictures up on our social media we were able to meet Clownvis you know what I noticed after the fact I was kind of getting tired you know and I had to drive us back and stuff and I was trying right. to power my way through shit uh, I noticed after we got back and I put up pictures that Dak Draper the guy we sponsored was standing right behind us whenever we took a picture <laughs> oh, with Clownvis oh really yeah. dude and we couldn't taking a picture with Dak Draper and I was just like ah shit I missed (laughs) Moses too I meant to I meant to get a little quick chat with Moses but I you know everybody was Uh, the guy that was in the opening match the African American guy that was really good yeah yeah I did talk to him at the bar oh yeah uh, whenever I was down there and I was like hey man you guys had a fantastic opening match you were gonna buy him a beer and then somebody else did and the guy in front of him was like hey what are you drinking I was like god damn it man you (laughs) motherfucker so he had already gotten him a beer but Moses was running around with that guy I noticed but they kept going outside back in so like we missed moses every time but i have since commented on moses shared some stuff from yeah know, post yeah the match. i seen he'd been interacting a little yeah. bit so and i said like i was proud to have sponsored your guys's match and he said thank you so much you so, know that's awesome thanks moses and uh, moses has got some uh matches coming up here in the future and actually a future guest of the ati podcast benjamin trust is also a professional wrestler who's got a really good look. And uh, he actually, he kind of looks like if you watch the current product, I think he has a Will Ospreay look about him. Mm. But he's got a unique gimmick. He comes out to the ring in a bomber jacket that's got a pinup girl on the back. And it's it's modeled after his wife. Oh, But his wife has got a little bit of a classy pinup girl look about her. Oh, that's cool. And he actually incorporates it into his ring gear and stuff. boy. So he's a real cool guy. Yeah, uh, he's like that. I obviously haven't talked to him other than DMs, but he's going to be on the podcast here eventually i reached out to him coincidentally he was a tag partner with moses here uh, on an event this weekend yeah i was gonna say they just had another one didn't they yeah we got a couple of pro wrestlers in the chain here uh, a lady who did the artwork for grandel wrestling oh, that we yeah. talked about with Dude. joey maxine mm-hmm. she's gonna be a future guest as yeah. freaking incredible yeah fantastic yes. artwork so we're, we're gonna try and re- reincorporate some of those folks and artists that were involved in that event too here on the show i think uh maxine also as joey detailed on the show on his episode was actually commissioned to do artwork on four hands cans she did the pinup line for four hands so Whoa, if you ever had those cans, i did not know that yeah they, they're really cl- i mean it's good that's it's cool. really good well, that's cool and she's been retweeted by a lot of famous people more particularly pro wrestlers because she's a fan of pro wrestling she's oh she'll be famous and... she'll be famous eventually. yeah she's, she's she fantastic is, yeah she is incredible she does really great work so we look forward and you'll see her on our schedule postings that we do every couple months as well but she'll be coming up before christmas got some exciting year-end programming in the works as well so uh be sure to keep an eye out guys as ridge mentioned at the open of the show for future episodes of waxing on dropping uh ridge and jake are taking that over and uh, they're gonna have some exciting new episodes in the works for us all right we got some good ones i've got some good material in this week I've actually, you know, like since I've fallen off music so so much, like I'm so thankful for you guys doing this because then I can just be like, I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> next episode, I'm really excited about this next week, is episode 41, and we're doing the ATI podcast election 
special for president baby we ati podcast for president now obviously this isn't a presidential election but let's just pretend that it is <laughs> i mean it's a pretty fucking important election and if you're Absolutely. not voting in it you're a fucking piece yeah and if you're in missouri <laughs> vote yes on prop three i can't if, yeah. if you're gonna come out and vote for anything please vote for that yeah that will just do so much for this state outside of you know making marijuana cannabis weed recreational and accessible and expunge records of people right it's going to bring so much more revenue into the state tax revenue specifically to improve schools infrastructure i'm down you know things that we need in you know the state. i'm down missouri is one of the most worst funded per capita you know senior health and human services these these type of things can improve just overnight almost with with an action like this just that simple yep mm-hmm. and so just to get back into the kind of what the idea of with next week of course we're going to we're going to talk about things and issues as if we were running for president, what our political stances are. Some of it's going to be serious. Some of it's going to be a little extreme. We're going to dabble in some satire and some We're going fun. to do the ballot? You want to go through the ballot measures? I, I don't like want the to big do ones? that, actually. No, you don't want to do that? No. We're okay. going to talk about some of that, yes. However, what we're going to do is we're going to do it as if we're running for president. So we're going to tackle those heavy-hitting discussion oh, topics. Oh, wow. I'm down with that, too. <laughs> so we're, we're really going to swing for the fences with this one. Nice. And uh, we're hoping to have some um, some fun little political ads, too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to have a, a lot of fun with this episode. Episode, oh, dude, I've got ideas already. Let's let's make them happen. <laughs> let's make them happen. I got a couple prior guests that I think I need to get a hold of for this. Let's do it, my <laughs> man. <laughs> so for this week, I am Barrett. You can find me at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. We got Ridge. Follow Waxing on RJ on Instagram. And he's Josh. Josh is on Instagram, underscore Joshua Welch. For this week, we're out of time. Good night and good luck. And happy Halloween, guys. Stay safe. And uh, stay off the fentanyl candies if you can. Wear a condom. Yep. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We will be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there.